just a recording. I forgot to turn it on. So I want to start this morning by um, sharing with you guys about a show that Vanessa and I like. And for those of you who do not know, I am actually a TV head. I love watching TV. I love watching movies. I love watching sports. I know, Rain gets that from me. Um, it's, and it's a show that we've been watching, and then you, because I like watching TV, Vanessa accommodates me and watches the shows with me. So the shows, are, one of the shows, one of the shows, one of the shows that we have been watching is called Blue Bloods. Uh, actually, if the sun is in your eyes, why don't you move around and come on up. Blue Bloods, have you guys heard of Blue Bloods? It's, it's about um, a family with three generations of police officers in New York City. They, uh, it talks about crime and how they solve crime, but uh, the, the, the main theme is every Sunday, they always gather together to have a meal together. Uh, actually, four generations that gather together. So three generations of police officers and the last generation, their kids. So four generations, every Sunday, they gather and, um, and have a meal together. It is, the show itself is in its eighth season, so you know it's good, right? Because if it lasts more than two seasons, it's good. Uh, the first few seasons, that's when we started watching the show, uh, you would see that the family would gather uh, to have a meal, and before they eat, they actually would pray, have a Lord's Prayer. Um, it, the show is really good, the plot is good, the acting is good, but what really caught me was the praying part, because it's, uh, it, it's not something that you see very often on TV. And this is regular TV, it was not on cable TV. So someone to actually pray and use the name of Jesus, that's what really caught my eyes. Like, oh wow, this is really interesting. How are they still doing this? I was really surprised and pleasantly surprised. Uh, however, as we start watching and I just realize it now, I feel like they have intentionally cut that out the praying part. They still show the family having dinner, but they actually not showing the praying part anymore. And I think it's been intentional uh, because it's just something that I've noticed with Blue Bloods, and I think I speak in general with all the other TV shows. Uh, you guys are probably wondering where I'm going with this. Um, I'm going somewhere. So, so generally speaking, I just noticed that there's a, there isn't a reference to God anymore. And even if there's a slight chance that God is being referenced, it's more like a God, a universal God, because nobody wants to offend anybody anymore. And when they talk about a, a God, it's usually a universal God, and it's a God that people would imagine for him to be. When I say about a God that we would imagine for him to be, a God that, would, would, that we would imagine that would fit our lifestyle, that would fit the, the, how we're living and, and what we think and what we want to do and, and how we feel about who this God is. The, the universal God that we would refer to, whether it's a him, now it could be a her, it could be an it, uh, it is about our own imagination of a God. So essentially, it is a God whom we create for that God to be. And, and I find it interesting that it's a complete contradiction to the definition of the term God. But that's what's happening. So we're creating a God that we would imagine for that God to be, whether it's a him or her or an it. So people are very uncomfortable in hearing that God is Jesus. And people are uncomfortable in associating God with a name because you want a God is whatever you think for him to be instead of saying a God is Jesus. And I use the example of the show Blue Bloods to illustrate how people in the past have accepted 
that Jesus is God. But now there's an intentional change from Jesus as God to a universal God, just a God, and that's it. This is so people won't get offended. You know, this is your God, my God, whatever. Uh, with this change in the environments that we live in, whereas it's changing from accepting Jesus as God to a universal God, it is more important. It is more crucial. And it's, if I can say, more urgent for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to remind others again of who God is, of who he really is. He's not a universal God. He has a name, and his name is Jesus, just like what we were singing earlier. There's a name. Can you, can you go to the slide, um, Ethan? So now it's, it's crucial for us to remind people, remind them again of his incredible love and goodness, and remind them of who he is. And also it is the one thing that he has commissioned for us to do, right? Because he has called us to do many things. Many things. He taught us many things, but there's one thing that he has called us to do, commissioned for us to do, and, and that's the topic for this morning. It's, it's a foundational topic that we are going through because we're still going through the foundational series, and it's called evangelism. The term uh, evangelism comes from a Greek word for gospel. So evangelism literally means gospeling, to do the gospel. And it's also commonly known as the Great Commission, as I think we uh, have heard about that so often. But let's look at scripture to see what it says about the Great Commission, right? People are familiar with the Great Commission from Mark, um, Mark, Matthew 28, Mark verse 16, and Acts chapter 1. So we, as people, actually gave that title, the Great Commission. Because if you actually go into scriptures, into the Bible, Jesus never said, this is the Great Commission I'm giving you. He never said that. We refer to it as the Great Commission. And what he's been saying is you go teach others, make disciples, and be a witness. That's what he's saying in, based on Mark, Matthew, and Acts. So what, mission, what Jesus has commissioned us to do, we refer to it as a great commission. It was just a reminder along the long line of reminders of what God has been calling us to do since the beginning of time. Because if we look at scriptures, I have a list of a bunch of scriptures of what God has been telling us over and over again. Look at Genesis 1, verse 28. I think I have some of that up there. Um, do I? Okay. So Genesis 1, 28, that's, this is right after God created mankind. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. You guys know this. Fill the earth and subdue it. And after, he, um, after the flood, he spoke to Noah in Genesis 9. Be fruitful and increase in number. Again, he reminded Noah. To Abraham, he said, look around from where you are, to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, all the land that, I, that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. He reminded again to Jacob in Genesis 35, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. In Isaiah, again, Isaiah 66 verse 19, and then at the end he said, they will proclaim my glory among the nations. Because he started out with saying, I will send some of those who survived to such and such. And in Zechariah, it's also the same thing. You know, it ends with, many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. And then in Revelation, we got a glimpse of that. 
when God was, was telling, revealing to John of what's going to happen in the future, where this is the second city, the city that we're going to live in, in heaven. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring the splendor into it. So therefore, what we refer to as the Great Commission is just another reminder of Jesus who's telling us what he wants us to do, what he has called us to do since the very beginning of time, since the creation of mankind. And he's been telling us, he's been reminding us over and over and over again. So that's what it is when, he, when Jesus said, advance the kingdom. He's reminding us, be fruitful, increase in number. So evangelism is about advancing the kingdom. And advancing the kingdom is evangelism, which is be fruitful, make disciples, increase in number. That was the first and original command from God. Because we can see in Genesis 1, the first thing he said to mankind was, be fruitful and increase in number. That is evangelism. How do we advance the kingdom? Evangelism means doing the one thing that God has asked us to do. He has commissioned us to do. He has called us to do. He has ordered us to do. Whichever terms that will help us to understand what it means, that's what he's, called, that's what he's told us to do, to fulfill his call to be a witness. So in biblical terms, so let's talk about Acts 1. In biblical terms, in terms of being a witness, it's about us making visible what is invisible. To be a witness for Christ means to make visible what is invisible, the kingdom of God. To help others see the kingdom of God with their natural eyes of what we see with our supernatural eyes because of the Holy Spirit has revealed that to us. To be a witness is to help us, to be a witness is to make visible what is invisible, the rule and reign of Jesus. Because people don't really see that in the natural eyes if they don't have Jesus. And when we have Jesus and we're being a witness, we're living under the rule and reign of Jesus. And people will see that and help them to see that. Help them to see the reality of, of Jesus as a God and a Savior. A witness is, also, is good and right. We ought to be a witness because that's how God has called us to live. That's from Acts 1, but that's only one part of evangelism. Because Jesus also told us to make disciples, right? To teach others about other things that he has taught us. That is sharing the gospel. That's what sharing the gospel is. What is the gospel? You know, when I first became a Christian, this term, the gospel, always come out. It's like, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It's the great news. It's the bestest news ever. That's what it is. The gospel is Jesus as the son of God came to earth fully man and fully God, died as a perfect sacrifice for us. So after three days, he was raised up and seated at the right hand of the Father. When we accept this fact, fact, that Jesus died for us and was raised up alive after three days, when we accept this and repent of our sins and accept Jesus, both with our mouth and with our heart, that Jesus is our God and our Savior. We are forgiven of our sins. So we, then when we do that, we will have life. That's what we were singing about this morning. Life, eternal life, that we can live free. Also, we sang about that. Is Jesus has set us free so we can live free, free of rules and regulations and obligations, 
free of the things that people put on us. We can live free because we know that we don't belong here. We belong somewhere else. We are foreigners in this land, in this season, in this time. And we can live free knowing that we have been united with our Heavenly Father. So that's what sharing the gospel is. And sharing the gospel is not a sales pitch. You know, sometimes people, when you start sharing the gospel, people, oh, don't make that pitch to me. Maybe not to you guys. But it's like, don't give me the sales pitch. It's not. It's about telling the truth. Telling people about the truth that we know. And it's not to be fear. Don't be embarrassed and be intimidated when we share the gospel. It is an act of love. It's an act of love, of sharing the greatest love ever, right? Because we receive that love from our Heavenly Father. So now we're sharing that love so other people will know what it is and can experience it also. So to be a witness is about how we live. To make disciples and share the gospel is about what we're saying, what we're teaching, what we're explaining, what we're proclaiming to those around us. They both need to go hand in hand. That is the gospel. Be a witness, live our life the way that God has called us to be, and share the gospel. We should not just be a witness, meaning living a Christian life, as people will characterize us as just good people. These people are good. They are kind. They're compassionate. People don't fully know or understand why we choose to live the way that we live, why we choose to live with integrity, choose to live with honesty, because it's not easy, right? It's very easy to live without integrity nowadays, but we choose to do that. Like why we parent the way that we do. If we don't share the gospel, they would just think that we're just nice people. This is the same as I live my life, you live your life. If we just live as a witness, that is not God's heart for people. Evangelism is more than just being a witness. People are, are not converted by our kindness, by our mercy, or by honesty. They are brought into, into the kingdom of God only through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the only way that they know that is for us to say it, to proclaim it, to share it, to explain it to them. And through their faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. So we need to tell them also about Jesus. Not only do we need to live a life as a Christian, but we need to tell them about Jesus so they can repent and have faith in Jesus. So on the flip side, we can't just go around and telling people about Jesus, about to repent about the kingdom of God, if people don't see how we're living our life, if our lives are not reflecting the truth that we're declaring. And if we don't live up what we're declaring, we will become like hypocrites. And if you guys ever read Matthew 23, that is the last thing you want to do. Because in Matthew 23, Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrites. We call them snakes, vipers, and many wolves. That's what Jesus thinks about hypocrites. So what I'm saying all this is, is he's called us to live a life of a Christian and to proclaim, to declare, and to share the gospel. Share about who Jesus is. That's what the commission is, to be a witness and to share the gospel. That is evangelism. Both of these, both of these things need to go hand in hand. That's what makes up a biblical evangelism. You know, firstly, is, is living I'm just reviewing this. It's living from a place, uh, a place of revelation that Jesus died on the cross for us, accepting that we're not perfect and we have sin. 
repent of our sins, and believe that we have been redeemed by our Creator, our Heavenly Father through His death on the cross. Live according to His teaching. This is how we can be a witness. Secondly, telling people, telling others about the truth, sharing this truth, sharing the gospel. Telling others about the truth from a place of love because it is from a place of love that we receive revelation. We receive salvation. It is important to remember to share the gospel from a place of love. If we... Uh, I think we have all seen John 3.16, right? I mean, if you, even if you don't watch TV like I do, I think you can see John 3.16 everywhere, everywhere you go. And as we remember, it's a reminder for us because it starts with what? God so loved the world. And that's how we receive salvation. It's from a place of love because God's love, that's how we receive salvation. So when you share the gospel, share it from a place of love. That's where we receive eternal life and freedom and salvation. So it needs to be from a place of love when we speak truth to others, truth in love. It's from a place that we can tell others about Jesus and his death on the cross. Don't say it from a place of condemnation because we didn't receive salvation from a place of condemnation. We didn't receive salvation from a place of guilt or judgmental or obligations or or, or frustrations. It's from a place of love when we share the gospel. So evangelism is, evangelism is not something, also one thing is evangelism is not something just for mature Christians or paid ministry people or missionaries, which you know I know we have a lot of missionaries, or church leaders. If you know and have accepted Jesus, you're qualified to evangelize. If you know Jesus, you're qualified to do the work of the evangelist. You're commissioned to share the gospel. Yes, there's a gifting when it comes to evangelism, but we are all evangelists. We're all to share this, this, this love, this knowledge, this understanding, and live it out. That's the one thing that Jesus commissioned us to do. He's called us to do. He has commanded us to do. He has ordered us to do. Whichever terms that help you to understand the urgency and the importance of what Jesus said. So that's what I'm encouraging everyone from the standpoint of evangelism is to share with others. We don't have to be smart or articulate or know the Bible back to front before we share the gospel. Paul wrote this in Romans. I love this verse. If it helps you guys, I would encourage you guys to remember and memorize this verse when you want to share the gospel with others. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. Or don't worry about the result of what we are saying or how we share the gospel or the way that we're sharing, the how we're saying it. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is not, not, our, it's not within our power to save people. Some of us may think that it's because of how we say things that will save people. It is not. Look at this, Romans 1.16. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He told us to be a witness, right? He told us to, to teach others about Jesus. He told us to share the gospel, but he didn't say save people. It can be intimidating telling others about Jesus, 
I understand. I have been in that place. Sometimes I'm still in that place. You get a little bit intimidating, you get a little bit embarrassed, you get a little bit shy, you don't really know what to do. But that's why we rely on the grace of God, both with how we live and how we tell people about the truth. Be courageous in telling people about Jesus, the God named Jesus, not the universal God, not an unnamed God, not the God that we are making up in our minds, or not the God that someone else thinking that's how they, a God should be. Be courageous. Telling others about the God named Jesus who has transformed us, who has given us peace, right? We sang about it, giving us peace, giving us life, giving us true life, eternal life. Have courage. I love this quote from Ernest Hemingway. Courage is grace in adversity. I don't know if I wrote that on there or not. Courage is grace in adversity. God will give us grace in the face of adversity. Trust in his grace and he will give us courage. Courage is grace in adversity. Trust in God. Trust in him. Trust in his grace. Draw on his grace. It is not our responsibility, as a reminder again to all of us, it is not our responsibility if people are saved or not. He only told us to be a witness and to share with others about Jesus. He didn't tell us to go save people. He didn't call us to save people. He didn't give us the power to save people. So don't think that we can save people. I, I feel like I want to emphasize this statement because this, I feel like this is one of the things that sometimes that keep us, a lot of us, myself included, from sharing the gospel. We don't have the power to save anyone. Only Jesus can save people. He's calling us to tell people about him, both with our mouth and with our action and how we live, as in how we talk about Jesus. As in, we will talk about Jesus and we live as followers of Jesus. We are to point people to, people to Jesus, tell people about Jesus, talk about who he is. Again, both as how we live and what we're proclaiming. Tell people about this eternal life. People want to know what is eternal life, right? John 17, verse 3. Jesus said this plainly. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. That they come to know the true God and Jesus Christ. Not a universal God. Not an unnamed God. Not a God that we will make up so we can feel good about ourselves. That they know the one, only true God. Tell people about our hope and our future, about the enduring city which is to come. It's in Hebrews 13 verse 14. So for here we do not have a lasting city, but we're looking for the city that is to come. That's what we're looking to. That's what we have eternal life. That is the good news. That is the bestest news ever. Right? And, and don't be timid or shy because we are not doing this on our own. He, Jesus, is now sending people in multiplications of, of levels that have never been seen before in mankind. So many people are going out and sharing the gospel and being a witness Join in the army of God. That's what we sing about. We're going to do it until he tells us to stop, and he hasn't told us to stop yet. In Psalm 67, verse 2, it said that, you may be, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Until that happens, 
we are to do the work of the evangelist. So, as in the evangel evangelism, as in fulfilling the commission, is, is not an option. As I said earlier, he had commanded us, he has ordered us to do, he has told us to do this. It's not a case of convenience. Remember what I share about the understanding of God, who God is in the show Blue Bloods? There's a reason behind that, right? So as you can see how things are changing, the understanding of who God is, is gone. So that's why we need to understand that, understanding why it is necessary to evangelize will help us to have a conviction in the urgency of the call. There's a statement that someone said this, which really struck me. I want to share with you guys. Um, I think it's uh, someone in South Korea, and he said this. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? And um, if I remember correctly, this person who spoke this was an evangelist. And because of him, millions of people are safe in South Korea. If not me, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? That's how important it is to evangelize. I want to give some practical handles in terms of how we can go about to become an evangelist. So when, when someone say that they're evangelist, they're not so much better than anyone else. They may have a gifting, but we are all called to be an evangelist. Be yourself. Be yourself. No one is perfect. Only us, each of us, can reach the people that God has put in our lives. I mean, I mean example is like, like, for example, Ethan. Only him can reach his, his friends and his school friends. If I were to come and tell them about Jesus, I'd go, well, who are you, man? But if Ethan is sharing with his friends, they will get it. Same thing with Ryan. You know, if he said with his colleagues and people that, that, he, that know him, see how he lived, and when he shared the gospel and be himself, they will understand it and they will get it. Secondly, is it be always overflowing with God's love through scripture, through the word, through fellowshipping, which is that church gatherings, fellowshipping with those that God has put in our lives together, worship through worshiping, through prayers. This will help us to have an increased level of revelation of who God is and the understanding of what it is to be saved, what it is to have eternal life, and understanding God's grace. And when we receive more of his grace, it will give us courage, give us courage to go and share who God is. And then thirdly, follow Jesus' instructions. He actually told us, give us instruction on pretty much everything that we need to do. When he said in Acts 1, verse 8, you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So for those of you who may not know, so he was speaking to the disciples and they live in Jerusalem. So what he's saying is, share with those that know you best in Jerusalem. Here first. Share here first, and then Judea is the next neighboring town. Samaria is the next town over and to the ends of the earth. So what he's trying to say is be a witness to our families and our friends and those that are closest to us because they know us. It is harder. I'll admit it. It is harder. I think some of those you guys know. I've been praying and trusting and sharing that my parents will come to know Jesus. It is harder because they know who you are. They know your past. They know my past. But 
it's easier from the standpoint that when we are a witness and we share with them, they actually can see the change in our lives, how we've been transformed, how we've been changed by the love of Jesus. And that's when we share with those closest to us. It is harder to share because they know our past, but when we share it, they will understand the power, how God has changed us. Like going back to Romans 1.16, it's the power of God that brings salvation to those who believe. And then after that, we will slowly move outwardly to people who don't know us well. And then as we doing it over and over again, we can get used to it, and we can start sharing to strangers, to people that we don't know as well about who Jesus is, and be ourselves. You know, an example of Paul is the very last verse in Acts 28, verse 30. The book of Acts, for those of you guys who may know, is about the, the New Testament church, the earlier church. And the last verse in Acts 28, verse 30, is about Paul. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance through the very end, through to the ends of the earth. That's an example that we want to follow. That is an example that we want to imitate. Nextly, you know, share with others about the things that we have seen with our supernatural eyes so they can get a glimpse of what we see. So when we talk about eternal life, we can share with them what we see and what we know so they can understand and realize, oh, wait, there is a eternal life? What is that? Share with them about eternity. Because we know this, in the natural, we only look and think about the things that's happening now. But because we have an eternal perspective, we see things with an eternal um, view and vision. So when we share with them, that will help them to see the things that we see. And that will help them to realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm only preoccupied with what's going on right now in my life. I want to have that vision. I want to think about the eternal life. I want to think about the next generation. I want to think about what's going to happen with my kids and my grandkids three or four generations from now. And lastly, practical handles. There is not a formal method. Just be sincere. Be sincere because as we're living as a witness, how we live our life, and when we share and proclaim the love of Jesus, people will see it. People will know and see sincerity. Second Corinthians 2, verse 17, Paul wrote this. Unlike so many others, we do not peddle the word of God's prophet. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So when we speak with sincerity, when we proclaim with sincerity, the power of God will come through. And it is the power of God who will save those who believe. It is the power of God that will bring salvation to those who believe. Speak with sincerity and allow the Spirit of God to come through. And they will see it, both in how we live our lives and the things that we're proclaiming. That is evangelism. And God has called each and every one of us to go and do this. Not just those who've been walking with Jesus for 10 years. There's no minimum requirement. All of us. If we know Jesus, we're called to share the gospel, to be a witness, to talk about who he is. With those, remember, closest to us, first, it is harder. 
it's not easy. First time I share about the gospel with my parents because there was a lot of blank stares and a lot of angry looks. But they can see how we have changed. They can see how I have changed. I want to encourage you guys the same thing because the first few minutes may be awkward, but once they realize what we're saying match up with how we've been living and how we have been transformed, the power of God will come through. And that's what we have for evangelism. And that's one of the foundational topics that for all of us to, uh, to, to consider. And that's what God wants us to know and understand that what we are called to do. So that's what I have for um, evangelism. I do want to, to end by praying for all of us.